The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Fucking... Welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am your host, JP, John Paz, and with me for another edition of Who Is? This week is Mr. Live Hard, Sell Hard, Mr. HMG, Mr. TPT, Mr. RBV. Rick, what's going on? Hey, you know, the, the movie The Goods, Live Hard, Sell Hard, underestimated for, for one of the great comedy classics out there. Love that movie, uh, yeah. But yeah, hey, man, when I got this topic, I've been flipping and flopping all day to talk about selling, baby. Nice. And the third man in the booth, the doctor himself, Mr. Destino, Dr. Jargo. Michael, how you doing today, sir? Hanging out and being cool, man. I, you know, I, I love getting out of bed early so I can come on and do this show. And I actually mean that sincerely. This is one of the highlights of my week. So uh, thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let, let's not sell for anybody today. Let's just, you know, bury everyone. Nice. All right. I'm, I'm okay with that. So today we're going to do who is the greatest seller of all time or who is the best seller selling, AKA the art of the sell, selling injuries, acting hurt, using facials, looking a certain way, using your look, having a desire or a will, but making it almost as if it's because of an injury or, you know, you're really playing up something. So selling to me, you could throw in bumping too a little bit, but I wouldn't say greatest bumper would be considered the greatest seller because sometimes, a destroyer, for instance, Shawn Michaels, great seller, sometimes over bumps and, over, and does a little too much. SummerSlam 05 would be a great example, and some other matches just be an over bumper or an over seller, if you will. But not necessarily you are the best bump taker, but you could throw bumping in there for sure. There's no doubt about it. You can throw some bumping in there. But who is the best seller? Rick, I want to start you off. Well, I was gonna say, you, you know, I always got a twist. I, I've always got something in here. So, I, and I'm glad that you did break it down this week because I always got to ask you, give me my parameters. What am I working with here, Paz? You, you're starting to learn here. You're catching the little the little tricks of my craft. Uh, but to me, it also, you know, just not inside of that ring, but it's representing and selling the business as a whole. Going over the top to make us believe wholeheartedly, especially through your body language that this is legit that we could that we need to buy into this and, and emotionally invest in what we have going on one of the first that came to my mind i'll get us going here i just one of the best all all around for bell to bell to bell in and out randy savage that's a good one man yeah uh, very good one macho man i think is a is a very good example of a good seller because one of the things that you said there was you know the the over the top well to me that that can actually be a negative when it comes to selling because you get some guys like you know pause brought up hbk there was absolutely times where he would oversell and it would just become cartoonish the rock is another one that comes to mind with that dolph ziggler is another guy who comes to mind with that basically anybody who's wrestled randy orton in the last 20 years is somebody that you you know, comes to mind for that. Um, so I, I, I think the over-the-top cartoonish actually can work against somebody. But Macho Man is a great example of somebody who would take it just to that limit and then back it off a little bit. So Macho Man's a really, really good one. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, it's just outside of the, the bump card, which, hey, by the way, go over to Patreon. Uh, in the vault, you can get Pro Wrestling uh, 101, Ben Hameen, talking with Paz about the bump card. Hey, it's, it's free for the rest of the month. Not going to get card charged till July, but how about that for selling, baby? But, yeah. you know, outside of that bump, you know, with Macho Man, it, it was the body language, the facial expressions. I mean, just every every little nuance inside, especially Bella Bella, as you're sitting there as a fan, you felt that story. You were along for whatever ride he wanted to take you on. Uh, and then to just sell his business. I mean, how many times have we heard that, you know, people that have worked with him for, for years through different territories, promotions, whatever it be, that never even heard him speak in his regular voice. Uh, you know, that, that he would take it that far with him. We're still talking about the guy that went on air to get you to buy into that story, to make sure it was never exposed. When him and, and Liz broke up on air, they went and filed for an actual separation in their actual marriage. Uh, I mean, to me, the macho man on all levels, the epitome of what you want, the guy that's going to buy in and believe it, Sell it, baby, and make the fans feel it. Absolutely. Macho Man, very, very high on my list. Also another guy, the nature boy, Ric Flair. I always thought was a great seller. Uh, great bumper, too, but a great seller. Made you believe whatever was going on. He was really in pain. He's really in agony. He's really calling the guy off not to kill him anymore. Like always felt like he was so good at selling. Just another part of his mastery of the game. And I, what I really like is when Jarko was talking about that fine line between cartoonish and, and just kind of going there. Flair was the master. And, and you see where, you know, HBK studied him, modeled yep. after him. It, then you've got Ziggler who was after HBK. So that's going to trend there. So when those two do it, it's it it does kind of push that line and maybe goes over a couple steps. Man, Flair, especially when he would do the face, the face plant, it didn't really ever seem that out of line, that crazy. And it, it would bring the audience, like, you, you know, they know what's coming. They're, it, it is a little bit goofy and all that and over-exaggerated. But, man, they ate it up. And it was it would be a magnificent pop because he knew how to sell up to that point and then deliver it. You know, everybody has signature moves. Everybody has signature spots inside of a match. Is there anybody who had signature cells more than Ric Flair? Like you, you, you would just be like, oh, this is the part where Rick's going to like, you know, be the chicken shit heel and just drop to his knees and beg the guy up. Like the cell job was his signature. That's crazy. I never even thought about it like that. Well, it, 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 now that you even mentioned that. Hey, pause. I'll let you know. Well, Hogan, Hogan. Had I, I was just, I, would, but I was going to, well, I was going to say Hogan was like the exact opposite of that. Where well, to an he, extent, like 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 his no sell became his signature, right? That's what I'm saying. So you know where you have Flair and that cowardly thing, and then you have Hogan where the hulking up. They're completely opposite, and that's what you're waiting for in their matches. And and now we compare them. You know they rival against each other as two of the all time greatest. It's funny. What do you think about Hogan up there as the greatest? Uh, I was last night is is I. I dropped the, the subject of today's show on Jargo and he kind of paused and says, I, I'm just trying to think of how pause is going to twist Hogan into this conversation. So I have been, I've been sitting on it, thinking about it since last night, all through the day in pause. I'll let you jump in on this, but I think you can, you can make a good case for Hogan in this. I do think he's a pretty damn good seller. If you just think about, you know, let's say earthquake, for instance, you really thought earthquake killed him. He really thought he was injured. The way he even sold for Andre when Andre rips off his, his chain, the way he yeah, he cried about it. You know, he was always a good seller to me. I and Jargo is gonna say no, but I I and the like the, the convulsions and the shakes and stuff, I always thought he was a great seller. It depends how long the list is, right? Like right. if we're doing a top 10, Hogan's not making the list. If we're doing a top 25, Hogan would probably make my list. I I, I just I, I think it's very overdone. Like I, I now if we're doing a no sell artist. Hogan might top my list. That's it. I'll see Jarvis. I think they complement each other. Because oh, they the, absolutely do. For the no sell to work, for those eruptions and people waiting on the edge of their seat for the hulking up, the fingers start shaking. That means he had to do a magnificent job of selling the beat down. That right. each and every time, even though you knew it was coming, we all knew the blueprint. We knew oh, the yeah. plot. But he it, it was such a great job of finally, oh my God, this is it. 
someone's finally got him. He can't, he can't take any more of this. And he would sell, sell, sell that. And then boom, then you get the explosion. Uh, now I'll go back to my previous statement. Over the top cartoony actually works against you on my list. So like I'm being generous, man. He wouldn't crack my top 10. He'd probably crack my top 25. All right. But Devon Dudley gave him a lot of credit and says that he sells like Hogan. So there are guys and you know pretty big names in the business that do look at Hogan and say, man, I want to sell like this guy. I'm going to copy it and take some of the stuff that he does. Everybody wanted to sell like Hogan because Hogan didn't sell a damn thing. He, really, he got he got beat up. He got beat up for eighty five percent of his <laughs> match. Yeah, well, I'm I'm I, I'm done with Hogan. I'm Go ahead, and take another sip of your haterade there. Yeah, really, it's rock star. Thank you. <laughs> Come on, but uh, Hogan, I got to throw out there. Macho Man, we mentioned obviously Ric Flair. We mentioned. Uh, I assume Ultimate Warrior is next on your list. No, what about a guy that we've talked about quite a few times on the show and. Not only did we all say he was the greatest technician, but he was voted online in, in the poll as greatest technician. What about Bret Hart as the bestseller of all time? Bret Hart would be very, very, very high on my list, and I'm talking like top two or three. Um, both in the art of the cell and just in the believability of his offense because i feel like that's part of the cell too like I, I it's one of those things that works against a lot of the modern day wrestlers they can't throw a freaking working punch to save their damn life right but i i feel like that absolutely plays into it very high on the list Rick, I th- I think, think about- uh, i've got yeah. him you know uh, coming into this conversation uh, obviously he's in my top three but so when we get down to that that always that that Ruling question at the end, who stands as number one at the end of the show? Uh, I knew it was, you know, Brett was going to be one of those people that I could sway on, you know, that could take the crown for me. Uh, Simply magnificent and just, and I think what what really stood out with Brett was he believed it so much and he took everything, no pun intended, to heart. Uh, so even early on when he's just working those battle royals, you got to believe like in, inside, he took that personally when he had to lose, you know, that he, even if he came in second to Andre somewhere inside Brett, he is absolutely PO'd even through tag team losses. He's PO'd. And it was funny before they even pitched, you know, this topic to us, Boz, I was going through some old videos and all that. And I just happened on to like a little playlist of Bret Hart stuff. And going back to the biography they did on him and what really jumped out to me is how they describe everything as being so real. Brett believed, so we believed. And one of the videos I stumbled upon, it immediately jumped out to me. He's against, he's very young in his singles career. He's starting on his rise, not even to the inter- intercontinental level yet. And he's in there with million dollar man and, and Brett's just putting on a clinic. He's out wrestling him all over the place and they're even putting it over. He's going to get his number. Brett slipped up. And Million Dollar Man was able to hit him with a variation of a roll-up. And immediately, Brett pops up, and it's very clear on the camera, drops the F-bomb. You believe that right there. That's selling, baby. That meant something to him. He's hungry right now. He's in there against an absolute legend. A guy that was, you know, that's headlined WrestleMania. the Million Dollar Champion. He had him. Had him on the ropes. Had his number, and he got caught. I mean, that right there is probably a perfect example of what Bret Hart, Bret Hart brought to the table. Well, and I, I think one of the things with Brett too was it, it was just the, what's the best way to say this? He knew how to sell exhaustion to where even when he was on offense, he would get somebody in a sharpshooter. Like now we see the young bucks use the sharpshooter, right? And they'll have the sharpshooter hook and they're sitting there and they're trying to fire up the fans and they're having a good time or in the sharpshooter. Bret Hart would be in a sharpshooter. He would have somebody in a sharpshooter screaming in pain from what that guy had done to him throughout the rest of the match. Brett knew how to, at the beginning of the match, I'm standing upright and I'm, I'm, I'm spry and I'm, I'm light footed. And then as the match would go on and you especially see it in the 60 man Iron Man match with Sean, like Brett is selling his ass off to where even just as he's walking across the ring to go punch Sean in the face, he just looks physically exhausted just the way that he would carry himself inside of the ring, because that's the way it would be inside of a real fight. 
Well, and you know, to speak to Brett because I mean, it's brilliant. And it's probably someone that most of your NXT roster, a lot of AEW, you know, I'm thinking about guys like Adam Cole, that, that they should be studying. It's about how you work from under and have to continue to sell like that to get yourself over with your size. Because yep. you're, you gotta remember, you know, and I think when you're talking about putting in a sharpshooter, and I mean, you're you're the competitor applying the hold, and it looks like you're in the in the worst pain. I mean, that visual going back to when he would lock that under Yokozuna, yeah, like it was everything in his being. He was drawing from the fans to hold that thing on those massive tree trunk legs, and you bought into that with him too. And it's funny because I was talking to Dutch Mantel about it. He was saying like, oh, I don't know if I like Brett's facials. I was like, what? He always had the perfect, the sharpshooter. Like he would be like, he was wrenching it in. It was uh, work oh, to put that hold right. on. Owen kicks him in the face. You have WrestleMania 10, that camera, literally an awesome view where it's over the top. Brett's face. He goes from like, okay, he's serious to like, he's angry and he, and, he, and like whatever. Like you could tell he wasn't the over the top, like Vince McMahon, like, Hey, you could see me from the, the top where his eyes are bulging out of his head or he's going ah or something very serious, very sports. Like, like if you were in a, in a real sport, you would be like agony and, and selling and stuff. Maybe the over the top stuff, it, it works for sure for Vince. No, no doubt about it. But for Brett, that real sports, like selling, like, Oh, this is a real sport. This I'm really in pain. Uh, I'm really feeling this injury or I'm really setting this in. Or I'm really angry at Owen because he kicked me in the face and we're in a wrestling match. So I don't know. Everything he, did to me was just like perfect and he was the one guy out of everyone benoit too to a point but brett really specifically i would be like man this is believable i think this guy really has an injured knee i think he's really hurt he would walk down to the ring with a limp and and you know you'd be like how the hell you know what the what is he doing here like is, is he crazy he's wrestling hurt but you would always kind of fall for it and he was the one guy i never truly knew even now going back look like, did he get hurt from that that table spotter? Did he get hurt from that? Like, did that power arm really get like he is the most believable seller to me ever? I just I and I and I loved his sell jobs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, I mean, Brett, as we go through these, you know, these who is, and it regularly comes up. I think yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just developing <laughs> a, a much greater appreciation for Bret Hart and what he's meant because you know a lot of times when we hear these conversations, oh, who are your favorites or who are the greatest? I mean, Bret will fall in that top ten, but he's down that line, and and I don't think people really appreciate truly what he meant. And I, you know, even the other day I, I saw a thread where someone was trying to knock him, like, you know, how many people ever said that they wanted to go dressed up to Halloween as Bret Hart? Well, and I think that's okay because you know because he wasn't a cartoon. Brett was a real person, and you felt that. But I still and, and saw a lot of people that. dress like him, though. Maybe not as much as Hogan or something, but I still see people dress as him. Well, you know, people like the Warrior and you know the the Road Warriors, not because those are cartoon characters. Bret Hart right. was a real person, and even in size and stature, like you know, you talk about the everyman kind of thing. That was Bret Hart, right? I mean, he was Absolutely. just gifted when it came to professional wrestling. But he, you could look like Bret Hart. I mean, it's not like Bret was like overly like, you know, Hogan, huge, ripped. Like he was always in great shape. But, you know, if you hit the gym seven days a week, you could look like Bret Hart. Just to huh. pour a bottle of water on your head. And it was just he was really good at professional wrestling. Br Bret would be a massive brute today. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. today. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Six, six one two thirty five. You're a monster uh, in current day wrestling. But it's funny, like you're right. Every time Brett comes up, it's like every list. It's like the, the best technician, the best worker, the best of all time. I mean, he just pops and, up and here he is again. You know, best best sell. Yep. So he's he's definitely up there on my list. What about his mortal enemy? And we were kind of saying before that he's a bit of an overseller, but when he is serious and doesn't lose his psychology in the match, which happens sometimes, what about Shawn Michaels as one of the best sellers? I think HBK has got to be, you know, probably top five for me. I, Sean, yeah, he could go into that cartoony place. You know, mm -hmm. he, he could roll around on the ring like six times after taking a stunner, you know, but it, like you said, when Sean wanted to be serious, he was really, really freaking good at it. The problem was he didn't feel like being serious all the time. And honestly, a lot of times being serious didn't apply to his character whatsoever. Right. But That's there a are. Very, he did a very fair point. Yeah. I mean, especially during the DX. I mean, he exemplifies the flamboyancy and 
so just overall disrespect and you kind of feel that through that he's disrespecting the traditions of pro wrestling even if you don't have any idea what that is you can re- you can just pick up that he's being disrespectful in some sort of fashion but when it it came to evoking actual emotion from the fans with the cell job that he was putting over it's hard to say that there was a whole lot of people better than Shawn michaels it's interesting like being at Survivor Series 96, and like, okay, he's selling, he's selling, but the crowd completely turns on him. It's weird. It's like he's doing that baby face sell, like the typical sell. They completely turn on him. He, by the way, spits on the crowd. I don't know if this was caught on camera or not, but I was there live. So I'm like, well, wow, that's kind of a uh, kind of a weird thing. He just spit on the crowd. I was like, what an asshole. Like, what the f-? and he's the baby face. And he was so mad that he was getting booed out of the building at MSG that he's like spitting on people in the crowd. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? But um, <laughs> But at that point, Sid gets the win. It's like, okay, like let's see how he reacts or whatever. So to me, sometimes like the reaction counts as the sell too. And I don't know, sometimes his reaction it wasn't great. It was almost like it was it got real to him or it got personal. So he's like legit upset. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why, why is this crowd booing me? Like he, when you're selling, you got to be in the moment and, and selling. Like he should have been more heartbroken about L- Jose Lothario got beat up by Sid and stuff. And I don't know. I feel like he wasn't uh, some at some moments. He totally lost psychology or totally lost his mind. Uh, Hulk Hogan, as we mentioned before, 05 SummerSlam. Completely was mad that he was losing. Completely lost his psychology. Just oversold on purpose. It's just like sometimes he would lose it. That's why I wouldn't put him in my, my top five, maybe, but I wouldn't put him in the, my top one or two. Like he's not going to make it to the end uh, when we get get to that part. Just because of that, those overselling and those moments, we're like, wow, that was like not the reaction you'd expect. Yeah, I think it's the inconsistencies in the the immaturity of Shawn Michaels in that phase one of his career. He kind of was the original millennial brat, wasn't he? Yeah, big time. But it's it's him I, would love Rick, to, yeah. I would love to hear what, what he would say about it now. Because even on the, the Hart biography, uh, he owned up. He was like, Yeah, man, I, it's like <laughs> I did a lot of bad stuff to Brett back then. But it's you funny, know, he was supposedly born again in that Hogan match, and he completely reverted, supposedly, but he completely went back and reverted back to the old Shawn Michaels. It was like, wow, I guess uh, you know, a leopard never changes spots, or whatever that old expression is. Well, I mean, when I kind of think back on Hogan and Michaels, I can see where Shawn would have a lot of personal animosity towards Hulk Hogan, and being put into a program with him like sean's like yeah i'll work with hogan but i'm I'm not selling for him i'm just i'm gonna make it look over the top and cartoony because that's what i think hulk hogan is like i i, I could absolutely see from sean's perspective where he was working you know as one of the opening match tag guys while hogan was on top he kind of takes over the mantle from hogan he becomes the next guy and I, I could see where there would be animosity between HBK and Hogan, like just on a on a personal level, even if it's not like a conscious thing. But I could absolutely see HBK being like, "Yeah, I'm not selling for Hogan." Hey, even well, now, what wasn't the backstory there as well? I mean, the, the, I mean, Sean. This is probably one of the first times that Sean lost the politics game in a long time. You know, that's, since heading to the main too. event, yep. where you know Hogan went. They we're both kind of in Vince's ear and. Vince leaned towards Hogan. Uh, so, I mean, I, I guess at any phase in your life, even if, if you feel that, you know, that you've let a lot off your shoulders, that was always your well to go to. You always thought you had Vince there in your pocket and then Hogan comes back and picks him right back off. It's got to sting a little bit. That is funny. Like Triple H too in 02. Like he felt the wrath. He was getting that political machine behind him. He's marrying the blessed daughter. He's getting everything going. Hogan's like, you know what? I'm not losing to this guy. I'll lose to Undertaker in, in the next month or whatever, but uh, let's ride high after Hulkamania. Let's sell a shit ton of merch for the next month or so, and I'll lose to Taker, but I'm not losing to uh, Triple H. Okay. And boom, he, Triple H loses a month after winning the Undisputed Championship, loses to the Hulkster. Another political battle lost. I just love that stuff because it just shows you no matter what they tried to do, they just weren't as big of a star as Hogan, and, and, and Vince knew it. Well, here's somebody else that I had on my list that that might be a surprise to people, but you just mentioned him, and that would be the Undertaker, right? Mm. And 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 it's 
he's one of those guys that would actually fall on both of my lists because, you know, there's the oversell list and then there's the, the undersell list, right? Where you just don't sell nothing for nobody. And that's pretty much the undertaker, but that was the character that is the undertaker. Right. But when undertaker did sell, when he did find himself in those positions, you felt whatever Mark Calloway was going through. I get. I think yeah. you don't. It's you're right. It's that, that. It's that Hogan kind of comparison, where you've got to be so hard and on one side, so that when you do, in this case, the Undertaker, when you do stumble, when you do fall, you got to have people believe it. And he was absolutely right, Jargo. He's absolutely magnificent. When when the Undertaker was in trouble, was in pain, you felt it. Well, because it, it was like, yep. damn. Like this dude's even beaten up Undertaker. Like Undertaker, like nobody beats up the Undertaker, and this dude just took out Undertaker. Like that's a really bad dude, and Undertaker would make you feel it. Well, it, and, and you're always waiting for that note for the sit up. Sometimes it didn't happen, you know. Right, and when it didn't happen, you end up with Brock Lesnar guy at WrestleMania. Taker, that's one I did not have on my list. That's a that's a pretty good one. Uh, you know who I did have on my list, and I think Shawn Michaels did steal some stuff from him as well. Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning, one of the greatest sellers of all time. Kurt Henning, number two on my list. I his selling was perfect, right? I mean, like everything was everything we said about Brett the Hitman Hart applied to Kurt Henning too. And sometimes I know people could say, oh, he did a little bit of oversell. He took it like the fly or savage. He took it right to the edge and never overdid it. Like if Kerry Von Erich would punch him, he would do that flip and fall, but nothing where it would be flip, fall, back up, flip, fall, over. Like he would do the one and done, or you kick his leg out, one and done. It was never overdone. He never would have, quote unquote, exposed the business. He'd always protect that business, and he would always make sure that the sell looked good. Even if you know he's flipping and flying all over the place, he would do it so believable. You're like, wow, holy shit, Von Erich got the strongest right hand i've ever seen oh my god you know you you buy into it he was all the good things about Dolph ziggler right if you take all the bad stuff away that ziggler does that that all the good stuff that was kurt any well, like, and, and, and i don't want to knock ziggler on it i mean if you're going to pick someone to study hell yeah you know emulate you know the absolute some of the best at this thing Shawn michaels especially mr perfect i think the big difference there is when you when you look at current heading and what Mr. Perfect could do, it was so natural and it was so smooth and it flowed. That's why it didn't seem so cartoonish. With Dolph Ziggler, you can just tell he's emulating that, that, that he's going out there and going through someone else's playbook, in a sense. And, and I don't mean that, yeah. you know, in today's theres Dolph's one of the best out there. He's an absolute workhorse. But but you can tell those samples, and that is the difference with, with Mr. Perfect. It was just so crisp, so smooth all the way around. And it just seemed effortless. Where at times you can tell that Dolph's trying. And it, it's weird to think that Henning would be on this list because most of his career and really all of the good parts of Kurt Henning's career, he was a heel, right? When you have a heel that is that good at selling, it's a little bit of a different kind of dynamic. And Flair had a bit of that too. Where it's like, because the, the art of the cell is designed to put sympathy on the baby face. And then you have a heel that is so good at selling. It's, it's a bit of a different dynamic. And I think that's a testament to somebody like Kurt Henning too. Well, I think, you know, what, what gets the audience there is, is Paz says it makes every counter, you're not counter move, but offensive strike from that baby looks so impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, if it is a right hand or a clothesline, I mean, a simple, simple clothesline would look like the most devastating lariat you'd ever seen when Mr. Perfect took the thing. Yeah. And, and that's, and that would get people riled up. That would, oh my God, I didn't know, I didn't know Coco Beware had that power in him. You know, and it's, he would elevate whoever he's in there with from a curtain jerker mid card to a main eventer. He would take you to that next level with what he was able to, you know, to project on you that light. And he also was the master of the flat back bump. Mm -hmm. I mean, every flat back bump that Kurt Henning ever took looked like he just got ran over by a freight train. 
I, I do have like as we're talking of you know because it's so easy when you're that baby face when you're smaller in stature. So, so many of the guys we're talking about, especially during those era, when you're working from under, they have an advantage uh, when it comes to selling. But we're talking about heels that that were able to excel at. We're so magnificent at this. I want to throw a name out from this era too, Ted DiBiase. I mean, he'd get out there with those facials, the, the pain, the, how, the scrutiny that he was in. Do uh, you talk about the the wear and tear on the body, the, the signs of fatigue through a match? Is he going to be able to make it through it? DiBiase was magnificent in that. I love being another man. And the way he would sell, too, is very specific to him. Sometimes he'd do that straight leg thing where he'd kind of go back, you know what I mean, and not really take that normal bump that you would see. He did, He had certain things that he would do that kind of made him stand out. And such a big guy, too. You don't realize it's about 6'5". He's a big dude. When he sold, you kind of, you were like, oh, shit. Oh, he, he got nailed there. Like He really made it look believable. I just love seeing Million Dollar Man, even if he's probably taking a real shot from Warrior in, in that match. He made it look like it was 10 times worse than what it really was, but I'm sure he really got him. Well, as we're talking about, you know, the greatest heels of the 80s, right? We've got Mr. Perfect. we got the Million Dollar Man. The, the other guy on my list from that kind of era the is man. Ravishing Rick Root. Oh, nice. I have, I have Root on my list as well. Yeah, Root was an absolute, like, and is there anybody in the history of pro wrestling that you wanted to see get punched in the face more than Ravishing Rick Root? I mean, right. like. Now, right. hey, now, now that now that would be a fun show. Who in wrestling has the most punchable face? <laughs> Ravishing Rick Rude, number one. Man, right? I, I would say him or DiBiase for the '80s right now. I mean, those two right, right there. I mean, it, Honky Tonk too. That's pretty pretty. Yeah. Honky maybe just a little bit below, but he would be right up there. But right, I mean, with someone like Rude, who's on the card? Who's in the main event? Oh, Rick Rude's Rick Rude's there. Oh, I'm gonna I'm buying a ticket to see him get punched in the face. I don't care who he's taking yep. it on. And he always did that too. Like we're kind of saying with a bunch of other guys, teeter on like almost like oh, it's almost silly. Like when he sold the backdrop, you know, and, and like oh, like oh, his that you know, right on his ass or something. He would do that over kind of he'd oversell it a bit, but it was I don't know, it was just perfect where the crowd really was hamming it up and they loved it because oh, he's getting his come up as this shitty ass heels getting beat up. Just I don't know the way he sold everything was was so perfect no pun intended there but it was just i don't know the way he would do was like an extra like sauce to it. he'd put an extra little spin on it do something a little bit more like you take a punch and then ooh, like you, know, you hold hold the face and he'd like making sure that like his teeth were still there like just a little extra stuff that i really love to make it seem like wow shit that guy really got nailed i i, I feel like the reason honky doesn't make my list is because of the cartoonish factor Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just it, that was the entire character. Yep. Whereas, you, you know, guys like Ravishing Rick Rude, guys like Mr. Perfect, they, they, they felt like more real I think people. They didn't have that cartoonish aspect to the character. That's why they could go right up to that line right. and then back it off. Whereas Honky Tonk Man felt like he was always a cartoonish character. He was like I fucking Yano. You've got you, you nailed it, Jared. I was just kind of thinking about, you know, we talk about the punchable faces that you just want to see those guys get hurt. You know, look at your typical wrestling fan, especially back then. It's blue collar Joe. You know, it's Joe the plumber. So when you look at the honky talk man, Jared is exactly right. I mean, he's just uh, he's you know Elvis impersonator, shaking his hips, guitar. It's a little over the top. When you look at Rude, you got a womanizer. When you look at Perfect, he's just better than you, Million Dollar Man. He's got all the money in the world. Those are three easy things for every average Joe to hate. And when they go out there and sell that they're taking a butt kicking, oh, hell you yeah. Enjoy the hell oh, out of it. yeah. From the front row to the rafters, that place is going to be insane. You take anything out of this show here today. Anyone listening anywhere, that is what we're missing in today's pro res professional wrestling scene is that, that just down to earth core characters on either side of the fence well it, you, like you can relate to or you can hate to all three of those guys were legit like you knew it's like oh damn ravishing rick Reed is on this show who's he wrestling oh i ain't never heard of that guy i feel bad for him like Rick Root is going to mess that dude up. Like he had that sense of legitimacy to him where he, you felt like he was a real contender. Whereas the honky tonk, man, it was just like, 
this dude like somebody's just beat him already right like it, it, it was just a completely different dynamic and a different place on the card did you see that awesome account i don't know if they're still on twitter or not it was rick rude takes atomic drops and they would show him taking the atomic drop he always took it to the edge right where like he's kind of overdoing it just a little bit but like spider walk. yeah yeah but i don't know i it's so entertaining, and the crowd ate it up. I mean, the crowd just absolutely loved it. But you could see him wincing in pain or holding himself. I mean, awesome seller. Just great, great job. I mean, it's so funny, too. It's like one of the toughest guys. And it's like, yeah, but I'll sell like crazy, and I'll, I'll get this over, and I'll get you over. You know what I mean? Like, he'll get the baby face over. You, you know, I'm happy you just reminded me of that because I have very, very fond memories of Rick Rude doing the spider walk, but I hadn't thought about that in years. Uh, for, for, for the longest time, my favorite atomic drop is when uh, Ryusuke Taguchi takes one because he has a, a little bit of that. And he just like when he comes down, he comes up in that spider walk position for about a half a second and then just flat back bumps backwards. It's freaking great. I love it. But Rick the, Rick, the Rick Rude atomic drop bump. Yes, thank you for that memory. Yes. Unlocked. Ricky. Unlocked after being, you know, kept away for 30 years. Rick, did you ever see that on Twitter? I, I did not. I didn't know that it was oh, that existed. I don't, know, I don't know if it's still there, but literally you know I've got the Twitter had, mach- I got the Twitter machine up right here. I'll, I'll give it a little search while you're he talking had literally about it. like every atomic drop, like you'll see <laughs> Pro Saturday night, uh Saturday night's main event, like WWF SummerSlam. Like he'll go through every atomic drop that Brooker's ever taken. And literally, it was like 300 of them. He had one a day for like the whole year. I was like, wow, this is, yeah, it's awesome. And the ones against Sting, I feel like, were were some of the best. Like, I mean, Sting would get him, and then he'd get him again, and then he'd turn around and get him again. Like, uh, really, really good stuff. Rude. Yeah, awesome. I don't and know. That's, that's, a, you know, that's another thing because a lot of people, when you think about Rick Rude, yeah, I mean, we're thinking about, you know, all the, you know, the great years that he had with with the WWE, but, uh, you know, the, the programs with Sting and all that when he went to WCW. I mean, that was probably his best work. Yeah. World champion. Absolutely. So next up on my list, I got to throw this guy out there because he had the girls screaming. He had the fans going nuts when he would be on the cell. We we do have it. Rick Rude. It's at Rick Rude cells. Oh, there you go. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, So, yeah, make sure you go check that out. There's the first one to get hit by the big boss, man. Oh, yeah, this is great. (laughs) At Rick Rude sells. <laughs> nice. All right, there we go. Good. Awesome account. Definitely, uh, definitely follow them. But what about Ricky Morton? That's a good one. I wouldn't have thought of. Really, I'm surprised. He was I, kind I of actually, one of the first guys I thought of. I, I did. I it did one. One of the first that came to my mind. But I did. He did make my extended list here. Uh, and again, you know, this is the perfect scenario. Incredible athlete incredible just brilliance for the business of professional wrestling and he was allowed at that that advantage of being the small guy working under you know and i think that's what you know what makes uh mr morton so relevant today and such a continued success is he has that relatability with today's style today's professional wrestler especially on the indie scene I've, i've worked some shows with him i've talked with him about that and it is, it's, you know, he's like, you got to adapt, you know, even at his age, he tells you, but, but still when he goes out there, when you, like we see him on the NWA and there's big spots, he knows what he's doing. It's, it's like back in the day, he's not going to oversell it on a spot show. When he comes out, works a battle on the border show, we might get a few punches dancing around it, but he's still telling a story in there. He's still probably the most captivating guy on there. And he's putting over some young people because he knows still, even if it's in a simple move set in that exchange through his body language, those facials, uh, how he's taking that bump, safely taking that bump, it's still, it, you're an eye, wows you, you're on your edge of your seat. I think my thing is when we have these conversations, my brain goes to, okay, am I looking at a singles? Am I looking at a tag team? Am I looking at, and and anybody that I consider in my brain to be a tag team wrestler just doesn't even cross my radar. Um, it, it, Rick had proposed, you know, doing the top tag teams. Mm-hmm. And I, this is one where I think that this is applicable. If you were a successful tag team, especially in the territory days, chances are you had somebody in that team that belongs on this list. 
you had somebody that was getting beaten down to make the hot tag to make the entire crowd erupt. It was a matter of who was taking that ass whipping. That that's the way '80s tag team wrestling was designed. That hot tag, yeah, no doubt about it. But and I think, and, and kind of remembering back, not that that I've actually sat down and watched a, a, an extended library of the Rock and Roll Express or anything that, but. But yeah, I mean, we, they, they grew up as a big part of our lives and all that. Uh, but I, I think they used a good balance in that team. But it was it was Morton that, that kind of received a little bit more of the fanfare. Probably, yeah. rightfully so, was a little bit better in the ring. Well, a and little, it, received, you know, just garnered a little more of the spotlight. Because you remember at one point they offered, they wanted to push him as a single. And, and he kind of shot it down and said, no, I'm, I'm staying with Gibson here. Well, and and it's yeah. not just Morton, right? I mean, look back on some Anybody. of the other guys that we've talked about on this list. Brett the Hitman Hart. What what was his role in the Hart Foundation? Sell your ass off, make the hot tag to the anvil. Shawn Michaels, what was his role in the Rockers? Sell your ass off, make the hot tag to Marty Jannetty. Like, if you had somebody that was part of a successful tag team at that point, Chances are you had somebody that belongs on this list because there was somebody in that tag team that was really good at taking an ass whooping before making the hot tag, or you were the road warriors. You know, what's, what's funny about that too, is a little, I guess, lesson for anyone that's aspiring into tag team wrestling, be the guy that gets his ass whooped. Yes. Because in the long run, you're going to get over. Absolutely. (laughs) And you're probably, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to come out of it. Probably the more athletic, and the more wise to the business, the more well-rounded performer. I mean, Absolutely. Think, think about it. In most cases, as you're laying out there, Jargo, you can kind of, you know, make that assessment to any, any team to that era who ended up being the star, the ones that we really talk about that shined on the team. It was the one who was taking the butt kicking. Yep. Absolutely. Another guy on my list, and he better be on Rick's list. I know he's probably on Jargo's list. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. I have the yeah. dragon. You want to talk about somebody that could sell an ass weapon, right? I mean, like was Ricky Steamboat, especially as the undersized baby face in the 80s WWF, WCW, NWA kind of climate. Like, he's another one that he, he'd be a pretty good sized guy now. Oh, yeah. But at that time, he was Adam Cole. And I, I want to say for, for the modern era, modern wrestling, Probably the the first on the on the grand stage that really showed you how to work your size. Yeah, that would lead the way for the guys we're talking about—the Bret Hart's, the Shawn Michaels, you yep. know, even today to a Sami Zayn or something like that. I think for the modern era, and I, I'm and I know if we really do our homework, we sit down. And I blame you on this pause, the historian you are. If we go back to the the black and white era, you know, the pre WrestleMania and all that, there, there's probably some great names. Uh, he studied from there, but for, I'll say for the modern era, which we tend to talk towards, Ricky's one of that the first ones that that I recall really like. You get you get behind him because he's that little man. Now, Steamboat's definitely on my list. Another guy who's an absolute legend, and you go through it's like, damn, he actually is a really good seller. Maybe you might not think of him initially. Jerry the King Lawler, excellent. I, I had Lawler excellent. on my list. Nice. Nice. Had, had Lawler on my list. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel bad because we always suck like the modern, so I try to go a little old school as well. But, yeah, I mean, even to this day, I suck about Morton going and putting on a hell of a show. You go to a show with Jerry the King Lawler at 70 years old, he's the best best on the show because he, he knows. He can, he can do whatever the hell he wants you to do and get you out of his hand because he knows how to sell it. And that body language, he can take a bump when he needs to. He's going to deliver what he needs to. But yeah, especially them territories, man, they, they lived and died with Lawler. And it, it, it was, yeah. you know, it was everything. If you were going to lay a hand on him, hell, a lot of them would rather you just slap, you know, slap their mom than slap Jerry Lawler. <laughs> that's, that's the way they felt it. I mean, they felt it when he took a hit. And he was the best at going from pompous asshole, run your mouth, dickhead to chicken shit heel in about 0.2 seconds. And then somehow at the end of the match, he would outsmart you and go back to pompous prick and, right? be, the, like, and, and be the baby face the whole time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, it just that, but yeah, the, the way that Lawler carried himself, I mean, you, you want to talk about somebody for, 
current the current era to go back and study just Jerry Lawler and the way that he carried himself inside of the ring. And he was kind of the the, the originator of that hot promo, right? Where you, you could trust Jerry Lawler with a microphone, go out there for 10 minutes and just hold the crowd. Everybody else was 90 seconds. Jerry Lawler get 10 minutes. Now, when we talk about Lawler, can we throw in an honorable mention selling in professional wrestling, Andy Kaufman? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, that guy was walking around Hollywood <laughs> going on the Tonight Show in a neck brace for how long? Yeah, yep. I mean, you know, selling whatever, whatever the hellacious just beatdowns came upon him. He, he loved it, man. Absolutely loved it. Well, I mean, he, Andy Kaufman was a method actor. Like he, he would just enthrall himself into whatever he was doing. And boy, was he cut out for pro wrestling. Especially at the time. Yeah. yeah. Totally, totally agree. Another guy I got to throw out there, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, great seller. Didn't make my list. I uh, actually it didn't, didn't come to my mind here. How is that possible? I didn't have Dusty on my list either, but I, I can absolutely understand where Dusty would be on the list. But for me, Dusty is kind of like in that Hogan range. You know what I mean? Where where, where he's more like the late teens, early twenties. Okay, I'm sitting there, but. I don't know. So, and a lot of I it, mean, when Dust- I look at Dusty stuff, he comes off drama queen to me. Dusty's best sell was he bled like a stuck pig. But when you yeah. even talk about, you know, when, when you start getting, when you talk about getting some color, and who really stands out to me in that, and it helped both of them though. Is is you know, it's just that blonde hair, but the visual with Rick, mm-hmm. with Flair was so much, so much more, you know, emotional. You buy it into a little bit more than even with Dusty. I got some old school names for you just to throw out there. Always enjoyed Harley race. Thought he was a a great seller. Definitely up there. And then I don't know. There's not too many matches that I've seen, but in the matches I have seen, he puts on a hell of beating on people, but great seller, Johnny Valentine. I just loved his facials. And whenever he would get beat beat up, like, wow, that guy really hit Johnny Valentine in the face. Oh, like in Valentine would just excellent facials and excellent, excellent selling. Obviously he would then put the beating on the guy and he would probably legit, beat the shit out of him but still <laughs> still uh, i gotta throw the, those two uh, old school names up there and then speaking of roads i gotta throw terry funk in in the hat as well just loved his selling sometimes he would teeter with flair on like that oversell where it's like whoa you know where he's like teeter tottering if he's gonna fall or not but i always thought he did an excellent job with, with his selling and very very believable and you like were like shit is is, is he really hurt is that really going on yeah. I wanted that. I was gonna. I was gonna say that you know until one of them came up, and I had them kind of on off the list when it comes to those those hardcore icons, the extremists like like Funk and Foley. Mm-hmm. Were they selling or were they just really hurting? You know, <laughs> the, there's a difference between selling the pain and going out there and just physically implementing the pain. Yeah, just wrecking yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh Paz, you you brought up a a couple of things there where you were talking about legitimacy, right? Mm-hmm. What about Brock Lesnar? Very. I good got seller. Brock Lesnar on my list. Um, when Brock decides to sell, and this is a kind of again like the Undertaker thing, right? Where when Brock Lesnar is forced to sell, Brock Lesnar is a fantastic seller. Like everything the guy does, and Rick, I know you're big on the body language and whatnot. Brock Lesnar, I mean, looking through all of professional wrestling history, did anybody have better body language than Brock Lesnar? Right. Well, it, it, I think too. It, it, in the more we discuss this, we talk out loud about it. You know, it, we 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 tend to define selling as being on the defensive. I think it's just as important on the offenses as we Absolutely. talk about this. I mean, because we're talking about Brock, and obviously, I mean, he's he's not going to feel much pain. The guy is an absolute just machine beast. But, you know, to make another comparison, we were talking about The Undertaker, about how, you know, he had to, quote, unquote, no sell. That's still selling. I mean, think when he had his orbital socket smashed in. He can't, right? he can't sell that. He's got to finish this match. He's dead. He's got- he doesn't feel he doesn't feel that he has a broken right. orbital socket. He's a dead man. Right. So in the sense of, you know, a Hogan, an Undertaker, a Brock Lesnar, no selling is selling. Right. And then and then that ultimately 
is what gets you over later when they have to do actually put off that somebody has inflicted actual pain and damage and harm to their bodies and their being. Now, who else is on your list? Just throw a few names that are on my list. Sting, because I, I always loved his selling, and the crowd would get so behind it when he was down and out trying to pick him back up. And Double A, Arn Anderson, I, I have very high on my list. Excellent. Everything he would do was believable. Excellent seller. Knew how to sell, when to sell. Like, But he said Arn because I had Tully. Oh, that's a, an, another awesome one. Yeah, absolutely. And totally, Rick, and then uh, just Rick, throw another else? one out. Uh, throw another one out there, and it's, you know, as I talked about with Bret Hart, as we talk about these each and every week, and it's 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 hard to find footage on him. But I've mentioned him a couple times here, and we're going back to maybe a, a true innovator who they've sampled so much from is Ray Stevens out on the West Coast again. Just you know, seeing what other people had to say on the selling, and and going back and watching the limited little bit of footage you can find on him. Uh, I mean. Racy was just head of his time on almost every category that we cover. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely true. I am surprised. I, I always try to sit back and wait and see how long it takes one of you guys to come up with my number one. And this week I, I was very, very curious because I have a one A and a one B because I can't put one over the top of the other. So and, Chris, ben, Chris Benoit is the one A and the one B is probably Tanahashi. No, no, oh. surprisingly. Um, but but you are getting closer. You are getting closer. Yeah, uh, better be up there, Dan. Are, are, are we are we to that point yet? Because Jargon made me think of something here in the conversation. What? what we've we, we done this every we've done this every week when we talk about who is who is. And Jargon, when he said something about you set those parameters in your own mind and you kind of just you you don't even think about tag teams. Right. Let's go around. Let's put over a female. That we appreciate who could sell. You know, when we talked about the when we talked about the greatest this and that, we've never mentioned a female. Who do you it, got? Who are you thinking about? Sherry? I I would think absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what she added yeah. to what she added to absolutely everything that she did, you know, those yeah. just those, those sweet little touches. She was so good at, and just flowed so smoothly at everything. I mean, hell, at times you wouldn't even know she was there because that's how how much of a part of it she became who is a we didn't get jargo's 1a and 1b here did we did we get it no and 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 here's i i was thinking about it in a little bit different context right my 1a is ray mysterio oh excellent and my 1b is jushin thunder liger um and, and both of them it's being under the hood right like you took away the one that the biggest selling point for somebody to be a good seller, you took away their facial expressions, put them underneath of a mask. And somehow both of those guys just had this uncanny ability to emote with body language, with audio. Like I think both of those guys just on a completely different level than everybody else, because they were wearing the hood. So I totally agree. That's awesome. That's great. So is there anybody that we haven't talked about on on anybody's list yet? I know Rick is going to say Psycho Sid or something like that. So Rick, did we miss anybody on your list? Hey, man. uh, Psycho Sid breaking his leg, man. It's a hell of a sell job. (laughs) That was a hell of a sell job. Yeah. Knocked that one out of the park. (laughs) Did we miss anybody on your list, Rick? Uh, We've got everybody covered that that I had. Okay. Jargo, we got everybody on your list too. Um, I, we we've kind of danced around his name a little bit, but I don't think we ever really necessarily discussed him. And that's Chris Benoit. Right. Um, Benoit is very very high on my list. It's just, again, was he selling? Whether it was offense or defense, at, at right. what at what point you know did it but become isn't that a part shoot? Of it? But that, isn't that part of it though? We Absolutely. Don't know. Absolutely. Um, And and the other name that I have that I'm surprised Rick didn't have is Brian Pillman. Uh, Brian Pillman and and his ability to sell Brian Pillman. He worked everybody for years. Brian Pillman's up, up there on my list, whether it be in the ring or the sell job he was doing outside of the ring. I think when it comes to Pillman in a lot of these cases, you know, one of my all-time favorites, 
I just, I, the sample, the body of work just wasn't extensive enough for me in a lot of cases. Not take away That's from fair. my fandom and what, what I appreciate and what he meant to me personally, but you know, I, I try to come at the approach if we're talking about these all times and this this bigger conversation. Now, how do you feel? Well, we are talking you, about selling. Go ahead. How do you feel about the luchador thing? I think you made a tremendous point. I mean, you're talking about because I mean, what's the number one way that you can sell anything? And it's through those facial expressions. I think it's an incredible point. I want to ask both of you two gentlemen, because I know you're, you're so invested, especially Lee Jargo with uh, El Destino, the uh, New Japan podcast. I always, you know, it really stood out to me when it was a comment that he made, but I've heard this a few other places. Lance Storm said it. It only looks stiff and like strong style because they sell it that way. So is that true? Is it as stiff and as hard hitting as the world would believe? Or is it that they're just trained? It's so soundly trained and that good. In making you believe it. It depends who it is. It depends yeah, who it is. Totally. I mean, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, the other day, these poor young lions, right? They're, they're going through their gauntlet matches before they get ready to go off on an excursion. And uh, Yuya Uramura, his first gauntlet match is against Minoru Suzuki. And, I mean, Suzuki went out there and just lights this freaking kid up. And he's twisting him into a pretzel. And if if his entire body of work was just that match against Minoru Suzuki, Yuya Uamura might have made this list because that's how much <laughs> he was selling. But I don't think he was selling at all. I think Suzuki was out there just freaking stretching this kid, you know, for the world to see because that's that's kind of what they do. What do you do? Okay, I, I didn't know if they were. It was just the ultimate the ultimate sell job or. Uh... It depends. It depends on who it is, and because I mean, like, Paz brought up Tanahashi, right? And and I think Tanahashi is worth talking about because Hiroshi Tanahashi, for a guy who's built like an absolute brick shit house, has worked from underneath for somehow twenty years, which is just insane because his facials are so freaking good. Um, you're in there with somebody like Tanahashi, yeah? No, I I, I think you're fine. You know, you get in there with somebody like a Tomohiro Ishii. It's it's going to be a bit more stiff than if you're in there with somebody like an Okada or a Tanahashi. It just it, it depends on who it is, you know. Kind of like you know, going back, you know, thirty years, right? If you're in there with Rock and Roll, you're going to feel one way coming out of the match. If you're in there with Meng and the Barbarian, you're probably going to feel a little bit differently. Yeah, that's fair points. Fair points. So I got to throw Okada's name out there too because you mentioned. Him unbelievable seller you always thought and i know people you say oh come on no kind of stop with that Meltzer loves him and everything else but he really is one of the best if not the best japanese wrestler of all time one of the all-time best when he hurt his arm you really thought he hurt his arm when he hurt his leg you really thought he hurt his leg when he seemed like he was a little out of it he really sold it so he's one of the guys too where i would totally believe the match like oh shit is okada injured like oh fuck what the hell's going on so i i, I love him and i love tanahashi as well Okada is so good that people don't realize how good he is. Like the, just the little things that Okada does it just, and especially the more I, I talk to guys like the vet, right? The guys that have, have worked inside the ring and get their opinion on what they're watching with Okada when it comes to stuff, just like simple footwork, right? It, it, it's perfect. Everything about Kazuchika Okada is the perfect professional wrestler and it, almost to the point where it's obnoxious at times. You know, but you talk about like that 720-day reign that he had as IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. It seemed like he was going to lose that belt in every one of those matches. I mean, he could be out there wrestling Hanare and somehow Okada would make you think that Hanare is about to become the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. It, it was just... He's he's an absolute master at his craft. I'll tell you the, the greatest sell job that that he's ever done is he sold a, a good portion of wrestling fans that Kenny Omega is worth a shit. Dave Dave Meltzer? No, Okada. Oh Okada, carried, yes. yes. Carried sure. him in everything. Carried him in everything. And now, you got funny, that, and now you got now you got all these people running around thinking of Kenny Omega is some kind of best bout machine. No, that was Okada. It is funny that uh, I wouldn't say exposed, but you could tell he isn't as good. I mean, anybody with two eyes can see he's not as good 
in AEW that he was in New Japan, and it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out. Like, oh shit, maybe he's working with guys that were better than him. But oh. I will say, and I agree with you, Rick, a hundred percent. Right? Like, the big narrative is Kenny Omega is not going out there and having the Okada matches anymore. Well, Okada's not going out there and having Omega matches anymore either. Like the, the chemistry. Did you, the, did you see the Ibushi match? Oh, yes. Of course, I don't know. Of That's course. right up there with. Yeah. But it, it's just the chemistry between. It, it, I mean, it, it takes two to tango, right? right? Right. Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada are just like, they're destined to be enemies forever. You, you know, like it, they just have that impeccable chemistry together. And Omega just doesn't have it with anybody else. Okada seems to have it with damn near everybody because he's freaking okada so rick who is the greatest seller of all time uh well i first uh, i do just want to say that uh this week kenny omega has ruined pro wrestling again uh, uh, no i've had repeated him i got the bucks i got stephanie so now now it's omega uh, i'll come up with somebody new new next week in the conversation man Ibushikota I, it, is victorious i i really i love love the the argument the conversation for Rey Mysterio uh you, you talk about the ultimate working from under being able to make you feel make the audience feel taking away the number one tool in the facial uh simply incredible I love it but not quite enough to sway me away I'm gonna put Ray at three I'm gonna go macho at two and Bret Hart at one Nice. Dr. Jargo. I will go with Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning at three, Jushin Thunder Liger at two, and the King of Mystery, Rey Mysterio at number one. Nice. Nice. For me, probably Savage. Savage or Perfect at three. I can't decide, but one of those two is definitely going to be three, and they could be three or four. You can kind of flip them. Two for me would be Benoit. And number one is the most believable guy to this day. I still can't figure out some of the matches. If he was legit hurt or not, would be Brett, the hitman heart. His cell jobs, man. I don't know. Something something about Brett uh, always stuck with me. It's just like, man, like that guy is just better than everybody else. And it's a great quote, and I still use it to this day. Me and my buddy joke around about it all the time. Brett Hart said in an interview to Jim Ross, when you look at somebody, what do you say? He's like, yeah, that guy is good, but he's no Bret Hart. Also, just to throw this out there, is anybody? Is anybody as good as Brett? We don't know. He keeps topping these damn lists, but I love it. As far as just two out of three, I know, Jargo, you said he's in, in the top five, but uh, as far as our list, I love that line, though. That is the greatest. Greatest. Let's hit the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com and Patreon, patreon.com slash tmptempire. Rick, what do you got? Uh, for all your Humming Media Group free listens, of course, you can head on over to uh, patreon.com backslash Humming Media Group as we are in the transition, kind of moving things over to the Realm Network. Uh, so keep up with all those happenings everything that we got going on catch all of your links to where you can pick up the programming across all social media Hameen media group uh for me myself some programming notes coming up it's my big event right around the corner it's rbv's nathan's hot dog eating contest worldwide watch along sunday july 4th we got to fire it up a little early this year 10 45 eastern is the launch time uh we're going to take you through the women's division, through the men's division. We're, we're going to walk you through the ins and outs. It is probably the greatest foodie commentary of the year. It's July 4th, and it's going to be – we're going to broadcast it live across all the, the Hameen platforms. Uh, so keep your eyes out for that. We're going to just stay up with me, uh, RBV, across all social media at The Real RBV. Cargo. You can find me across to all social media platforms at not Jargo. And my final case for Ray Mysterio is Kevin Nash never picked up Bret Hart and bounced him off of a trailer like a lawn dart. <laughs> True, but he did throw him through a table. So ah. uh, lawn darts, one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. Man, it's right up there, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Don't know if that was a sell job or if he was really injured. I, I thought Mysterio was dead. <laughs> I, I thought he was dead. 
That was awesome. But if they ever, if they ever, is anyone, if either one of them ever talked about that in a shoot interview, (laughs) whose idea that was, or was it, was it on the fly? Or I'd love to know. Yeah, that is that's a good one. Pause. Pause. You, I know. I've you got the keys of the kingdom, Ask Sullivan. True. Yeah, it's true. I was going to say I have interviewed Ray. Was it in the script for Kevin Nash to lawn dart Ray Mysterio off of a makeup trailer? Because that was awesome. Was was Hall was Hall out drinking the night before, throwing some darts in a pool? Uh, Yo, Kev. (laughs) Damn it! Now I got to ask Sullivan. I got to text him and figure it out. Damn that! That's a good point. But great job, as always, by you guys. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for Who Is? Right here on the Two Man Power Trip. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash TMPT Empire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>